For all of Gabriel's show dates and ticket links go to gabrielrutledge.com. Or don't. If you would like to support this podcast by subscribing for $5 a month, click the Substack link in the episode notes. You won't get any extra episodes, but Gabriel will think warm thoughts about you. And now it's time for the drive home with Gabriel Rutledge. Play the royalty-free hip-hop music. Now here's your host, Gabriel. Driving home from Tualatin, Oregon. I just had to get gas. First gas station I went to. AMPM. The card, my card wouldn't work. And then I do have some cash. So I'm like, well, maybe I'll just go in and pay cash. But then, you know, there's a homeless guy just screaming in the parking lot. Fuck a goddamn touch Just scream, you know. Having a real deep loud conversation between himself and fentanyl in the parking lot. So I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'll get back in the car. I'm not going to prove how brave I am by having to walk through this guy to go into the AMPM. So I go to another gas station. A couple exits up. This one, there's a, a gaggle. There's a gang of homeless people. There's a bunch of bikes strewn about. Like my grade school used to look like when everyone would just ride their bike to school and throw it on the ground. We didn't worry about anyone stealing our bikes because it was, this, you know, South Bend, Washington. It's a small town. If you stole someone's bike, it'd be like, why do you have Tim's bike? But these fellas and ladies weren't uh, in grade school. So it's not a youth bike gang. It was just home, a bunch of homeless people uh, in the parking lot of this gas station where I did get gas but you know I'm pumping gas they're doing weird addict homeless things and I'm like you know what this might not be the best time to have uh, $800 cash in your pocket good lord I feel safer walking the streets of New York City at 3 a.m. than I do at a suburban Oregon gas station at 11.30 p.m. What the fuck is going on? Anyway, nice to see people riding their bikes at least. I can never get my kids to do that. My voice is all blown out. See? Because I just uh, had to talk louder than I wanted to through a shitty sound system for 75 minutes. I didn't have to do 75 minutes, but I did. The sound guy really pissed me off tonight because... You know, I was doing this show in Tualatin, and before the sh- it's like, I don't even know where it is. 30 minutes from Portland. Before I even did the show, I'm like, I don't know if I should be doing this kind of show anymore. I'd done it before. I wanted to do it again. I said, this is the amount of money I would need. They were like, okay. But it's a free show. People are calling, people are emailing me. How do I get tickets? Like, there's no tickets, you just show up. The show starts, the sound is bad. You can't really hear the guy hosting. They keep fucking with it, they change mics. The sound guy is the loudest guy in the whole room. He's in the back of the room. Like, I can hear it back here, and I'm deaf, I'm fine. I'm like, it's not good, it's popping, it doesn't sound good, people can't hear it. Next comment comes. Uh, And it cuts out a little bit, she's 
trying her best. So at one point, she just goes, well, maybe I don't need the mic. You know, just trying to make the best of it. Her name's Amanda Arnold. She's very funny. Portland area comedian. She's hilarious. But, you know, she's trying to make a best of a bad situation. She goes, oh, if the mics don't work, maybe I'll just yell. And, you know, not that many people can hear her. I see the sound guy go out the back of the bar. And I think, oh, he must be going to get another microphone from the car. Is he driving to Radio Shack? Where's he going? Is he getting in a time machine to drive back to Radio Shack? Where's this fella headed? And then he comes through the other door, back where I am in the back of the room. He walked all the way around the building. And I go, where'd you go? And he goes, well, she doesn't want to use the microphone. She doesn't need me. He threw a little fucking fit and walked out because she was trying to make the best of a bad microphone situation and said, maybe I don't need the microphone. God damn. So, you know, I get up. I'm, I use both of the, I try to use both. I tested both of the mics. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, this is option number one right here. Check, check, check. All right. Option number two. Is it better? It's the same. It's the same. It's the same mic, man. It's, it's how you carry. I can hear you. All right, you can. See? Did I just? I'm cutting out though. I'm that was me. I stepped on the board. You stepped on the board. Oh yeah, I was telling you. Okay. Did you work in a nursing home before you did? No, I just think about the patients. Which microphone's not going to cut out? What's happening? I just choose it. You're fine. Okay. Oh, okay. Can we clap for Amanda Arnold for getting through a chaos of a set and being hilarious? We're gonna make the, we're gonna make the best of it. <laughs> Fucking now you're here? Okay. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you guys for being here. Uh, I, I, I appreciate it. Uh, it's not you? Okay. We've, we've done enough options. What, what did you try? Both at the same time? I don't, hey, I'm married, so. It's not even my anniversary with that talk. Both at the same time. Uh, anyway, if you don't know me, hi. Thanks for being here. Not all my shows are this weird, but we're going to do this. We're going to fucking do it. We're going to do it. A free show in Tualatin. Yes. Yes. Sure, I was just in Las Vegas, but fuck that. I'm in Tualatin right now. You know what they don't have in Las Vegas? Two microphones that equally don't work. They do here. They do here. We're going to fucking do it. Thank you. The only thing that would be weirder is if people had to walk in front of me to go to the bathroom. That would even make tonight weirder. Thank God that's not happening. He was talking about, they were kind of cutting out. He's like, oh, I was standing on the court. It seems to be working. I don't know. I'm louder. Maybe I talked. I don't know why. People can hear me. He starts playing sound effects. Like the sound of applause. He played a toilet flushing ones from the sound booth. I'm like, fuck, no, dude. Stop it. You're going to take no responsibility when the sound sucks. And then when the show starts doing good, you want to get in on the fun and make some toilet flushing sounds for no reason. Get the fuck out of here. I asked my doctor what is considered more than moderate drinking. Sir, you don't even know what the answer is yet. But you already know you're out. <laughs> he 
He told me, uh, for women, you should not drink more than eight drinks a week. What? <laughs> Why are you mad, sir? You're like, no woman's gonna fuck me after eight. This doctor sucks. It's not a wacky morning radio show. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, the toilet's flushing. Also, how does the toilet apply to what the fuck I just said? You just freestyling over there? He's talking about alcohol, let's flush a toilet. There was a comedy college. This show is like the final exam. It's free on a Wednesday in Tualatin. Questionable sound. But the toilet is crystal clear. You can hear that. Have fun out there. C's get degrees. Good luck. even saying it was his fault but you know the sound was not great but you know you know I'm a fickle pickle I went from like I shouldn't be doing this show to like you know I did 75 minutes I did some stuff I never done before I fucked around sold a bunch of merch I'm like yeah I should do stuff like this. <laughs> but, you know, I'm spoiled. I don't do a lot of rooms anymore that aren't set up to do comedy, that aren't comedy clubs or theaters or, you know. Well, I say theaters like I'm just doing nothing with theaters, but the occasional theater. I've been spoiled. I haven't had to say to anyone in a long time, oh, can you turn the TVs off? When the show starts? Also, they were like, well, we're going to have the host do uh, 10 minutes, and then the middle do 30, and then the host will do 10 more minutes. And I had to be like, I don't, that's too much. cut those times down. I had to be a dick. I don't want to go on stage 50 minutes after the show starts. Anyway. Some new jokes worked. Some didn't. What are you going to do? I mean, they all worked. They didn't bomb, but like... That's the thing about new jokes. because it didn't get nothing or uh, no one booed when I did them it doesn't mean I'm going to keep them all Billy Squire 
Christmas is the time to say I love you. That's how it goes. It's just a dumb Christmas song. And it was playing at our, our house. We were listening to Christmas music. And I don't know why. I don't know why brains do this sometimes, you know? I mean, I try to... Like everybody, just trying to live my life, be in a good mood, make the best of life. And then all of a sudden, as I'm listening to that song with my family around me, just, you know, the songs in the background, I flash to someday when I'm dead. And my kids hear that song at Christmas time. And then they feel sad, or even if they're not sad, it's like a memory of like, oh, dad loved this Christmas song. And then I thought, what the fuck am I doing to myself? Can't we just have a good day? Do I have to think about my kids being sad when I'm dead someday around Christmas time? What the fuck, brain? Give me a chance. Give me a chance for a decent day. It's not even lunchtime yet. I don't need to be thinking about how my kids are going to be sad when I'm dead someday. The fuck is going on? I just had a drunk guy in uh, Las Vegas tell me I should embrace my age, and here I am. I should, have, I should have opened by saying I'm 49 years old. I've learned I have to tell people I'm 49 years old because if I don't tell them I'm 49 years old, then they just think I look like shit for 35. <laughs> you look good, bro. Embrace your age, bro. I appreciate that. Thank, thank you. I have long hair, too. You look good, too. <laughs> no homo. No homo? Too late, sir. We're homo. No, I know it's all good. No, it's fine. That was, until the no homo part, it was like a live meme. Embrace your age. How old are you? How old are you? How old are you? 33. 33. Yeah, no one, no one old says embrace your age. It's 33. Good for you, bro. You don't know my knee fucking hurts right now. <laughs> Embrace your age. Like, yeah, what choice do I have? I just have to stretch before I embrace it now. Here I am thinking about death around the holidays. sports team you root for people will be like oh so and so would have loved this or hated this or I guess what I'm saying is everything that brings you joy eventually brings you sadness hey thanks for tuning into the podcast everybody appreciate it season's greetings true though you give a toddler a toy it ends in tears joy to tears they love it and then like a time comes where you have to take it away from them or <coughs> they're not being safe with it or they get tired you know when the sun goes down in Disneyland, people are just, kids are just crying and screaming. It's the happiest place on earth. The parents bankrupted themselves to give their kids this experience. The 
kids longed to go there. And then it's like 6.30. And they got a sweaty churro in their hand. Like, ah! Just screaming. And then you see the parents look at them. I've been there. And you just go, I did this for you. This is my last podcast of the year because uh, I only have one more show. I'm recording this on the 20th of December. Uh, my daughter Maisie turns 16 tomorrow on the 21st. Uh, but I don't have any more shows. I don't have any more shows until uh, New Year's Eve. Thank God, I'm exhausted like nine or ten days off. Uh, and I'll be at the historic Everett Theater on New Year's Eve if you're in the area. I did the math and my show in Everett on New Year's Eve will be my 313th show of the year. Are you fucking kidding me? 313 shows. I did this year, or I will. I've done 312. And I don't mean 313 days. I mean shows. Like, you know, a lot of times comedy clubs on the Friday or Saturday will have two shows. And the reason it's so high is I did the Comedy Cellar in Las Vegas so many times. And that's two shows a night, seven days, 14 a week. That adds up. 313 shows. I, Dios mio. Everything that brings you joy eventually makes you sad. Including my stand-up comedy career. Holy shit, 313 shows. I swear after I, I did the math, I was just like looking through my calendar, counting up shows, and then I... When I realized it was going to be 3.13, I wanted to just lie down. Like, Jesus. Financially, my best comedy year for sure. Had a lot of good stuff happen. It's been a wild year for me. Personally, which we don't really need to get into, uh, and professionally, but it's just been a wild year. And it's funny, you know how, like, in a, a sci fi movie or a horror movie, there's like, whatever, the evil spirit or the alien enters someone's body and then it controls them and makes them do bad things, and then some. They look somehow they get the alien or the evil spirit out of that body. And then it just looks for a new body to inhabit. And that's kinda how I feel about like stress and anxiety. Like, when the stress and anxiety of something goes away in my life or anyone's life, it just looks for a new thing to have stress and anxiety about. It needs a new host. You know, most of my... comedy career, my stress and anxiety was making enough money to pay the bills. 
and now my stress is uh, I have my calendar is too full and also I'm getting I'm starting to do things that I a little of you know I don't know if I'm doing the right thing I don't know if I'm you know I'm saying yes to stuff where I'm like I don't know is that a good deal I don't know if it's a good deal you know it's I feel like I might be doing things wrong or when I think about the future I'm excited but I'm also like you know I'm not afraid of success but I also know this about myself like like my new special that will come out fucking next year sometime uh Like, if for some reason that special was on Netflix, like, I know that would be, like, really, really good news and would change my life. But I'm telling you, if someone said to me, we sold it to Netflix, part of my first reaction would be like, oh, no, I'm not ready for this. And I don't don't know what that is about myself. Maybe I just like to know what's going on and I don't like the unknown. But when the unknown is a positive, I don't know. I don't know if other people can identify with that. I don't know if... You know, if you get promoted to manager and it's more money at work or whatever... Is part of you like, ah, fuck, I don't know if I really wanted this. It's more responsibility. It's more work. People might get mad at me. And I guess it's a little bit like that, where it's just like, oh. I know how to do what I was doing before. And I'm still doing comedy, but I'm in a little bit uncharted territory as to be, you know... You know, most of my comedy career, I would do gigs at bars like I did on this Tuesday night in Tualatin. And for decades, people are like, you know, the Billy Joel shit. Man, what are you doing here? La-da-da-da. You know, people are like, why are you here? You're great. You should... Why are you doing this bar gig on a Wednesday? For decades, people have been saying that. Not just to me, but to, you know, every time anyone has a good comedy show at a place like that, they go, what are you doing here? Why are you here doing comedy for Davey, who's still in the Navy and probably will be for life? He said, Bill, I believe this is killing me as the smile ran away from his... Okay, I'm done. Uh... But anyway, my point is, when people said that five years ago, I go like, well, thank you. That's very nice. I need this fucking money. When people say it now, I go, yeah, you're right. (laughs) I shouldn't be here. It was a good payday for me. And, you know, it's fine. But it's also like... I should be a little more protective of my brand because people come out to see me. At least a certain amount of people come out to see me everywhere I go on purpose because they like me. And I don't really want them to see me at a fucking rowdy-ass bar where the microphone doesn't work and the DJ makes toilet flushing sounds. And if they people come out to see me tonight, I think they had a good time. And, you know, they got to see 75 minutes and... It's not that, but it's, you know, I'm going to be at Helium Comedy Club in Portland, Oregon uh, on Wednesday, April 10th. That's where people should come see me. I got to be a little more protective of my brand and uh, 
I'm not really used to having a brand yet. I'm not used to like these decisions. I'm not used to, it's a little bit, it's exciting, but it's uncharted. So my I'm, I'm rambling, but my anxiety went from like, God, I need something to happen. I was doing okay, don't get me wrong, but like the anxiety was like, I would love it if something happened where I didn't have to stress about money so much. And then that did happen. And now my stress is, don't fuck up this opportunity. You're going to do this wrong. So it's a better stress than the previous one, but I am a fan of no stress, and that doesn't seem to exist. One time my counselor asked me what I do to relax. And I don't remember what I said, but I remember what I didn't say, which was drink. But in the way that, you know, uh, everyone talks about kids being on phones too much and it kind of makes their brain squirrely and they can't focus and all that happens to me. I feel that because, you know, I'm, I'm a social media manager. I'm putting up videos all the time. I'm responding to comments. I'm uh, running ads. I'm, uh, you know, I'm on my phone for work reasons constantly. I do feel it scramble my brain a little bit. So maybe it's just because it's the end of the year or whatever, but just like, you know, like I got an email from a, a comedy club this morning who wants me to work there. Even that, by the way, that is not how I used to book gigs. <laughs> it's how I booked... CI's Bar and Grill in Tualatin, but it's not how I booked National Comedy Club work. It usually took many, many emails from me to them for places I already worked. People randomly emailing me saying, hey, could you come work my club in Michigan or whatever? That's new. But just, I guess, in the mental state that I am right now, it's just like, I get this email from a comedy club that's like, hey, you're funny, could you come work our club? And my first reaction is like, oh, God, I don't know. Jesus Christ, I barely have any weeks open next year. <laughs> oh. So anyway, I need the nine days off. the level of success, like I respond to most messages, if someone's like, hey, on Instagram, hey, are we going to come to Boston, you're hilarious, I, I respond, I go like, well, you know, whatever, I was there last year, where the fuck were you, <laughs> no, I don't say that, I'll say, thank you, I don't know, I just feels like a thing I should do. To engage with people who engage in me, with to engage with people who engage with me. But also, if I got a hundred of those messages a day, well, then I probably wouldn't respond to any of them. I think I'm in that awkward level of success that a lot of comedians are, where we have to we can't be above anything. We can't be like, oh, I don't even look at my messages. I got a social media guy, you know? 
I'm responding to comments on my videos because it supposedly helps the algorithm and I get more views. Jerry Seinfeld doesn't do that. Jerry Seinfeld's manager isn't like, Jerry, um, can you uh, engage in the comments? Can you respond to people so we can get more views? He's above it, but most most comedians are not. We're not above it. We're, we're you know, doing all the tricks and secrets. Ron White's not running his own ads. Jim Gaffigan doesn't wonder the best time of day to post his videos to get the most engagement. They got people. But most of us in comedy don't have people. So I'm running social media, I'm running ads, I'm booking things, I'm responding to people. I'm taking phone calls. And it's, you know, it's, uh, beyond full-time job, which is fine. Most self-employed people, that's the case. Uh, I guess it's more like, it's such a fun fucking job that it kind of takes a while to admit, like, oh, I'm so burnt the fuck out from this constant content that I'm putting out in addition to doing comedy shows. And this, I've never had more fun doing comedy. This is... It's all good as far as, like, the stage. I'm having as much fun as I've always had, if not more. It's just the offstage is so much more than it was ten years ago. I mean, pull up a chair, let Grandpa talk for a minute. When I started comedy, there was nothing else to do except go on stage for a few minutes every night. and then try to get booked. That still existed. But the conversations that other comedians have with each other now compared to how they were when I started comedy are insane. It's it's about what kind of camera do you use? What kind of wireless microphone do you got strapped to yourself? What's the best angle to put videos up, what's the best, like all these things where I'm like, oh, this is insane. But also, that's my biggest problem with stand-up comedy is like, it's too much work. You know, cry me a river. That ain't so bad. It's way better than not enough work. It's way better than working at a desperation. But that's how I feel. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like the anxiety spirit left my body. And it's just looking around a new place to go back in my own body, I guess. I don't think I'm a negative person, but I'm not a positive person. <laughs> I don't look in the, towards the future like, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be fucking great. Part of me thinks that, and then part of me thinks like, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, and it could be bad. Life is often bad. But you don't win anything. 
It doesn't make you feel better to be right if you are pessimistic the whole time. Anyway, I got a negative tone. I don't feel negative about the year at all. I don't feel even negative about the future. I'm just... Uh, I want to be a little less stressed next year, no matter what happens. I mean, it's weird, you know? I think we all know how lucky we are. Probably almost everyone listening to this podcast. You know what I mean? No matter what your job is or how your life is going, you're not in a fentanyl bike gang at a suburban Oregon gas station. Do you know what I mean? We're like... We're not at war. But that still doesn't make you content, you know? I just don't think humans are wired to be content. It's it's not evolutionarily possible. That's why we take drugs and alcohol to, like, get there. Being worried keeps you alive. That's biological. But you know, how I felt about my comedy career at the beginning of this year, how I felt about Well, quite frankly, my marriage at the beginning of this year compared to how we, you know, both of those things took a wild positive swing. Which is awesome and amazing and I'm so grateful then I also have this thing where I'm like, eh, I thought it would feel better. <laughs> I remember when I lost my virginity. It was uh, three weeks ago. My wife said it's time. But, you know, I, I don't know how you lost your virginity. Uh, hopefully it was an okay experience. Uh, you know, I was 19. And at the time, I felt like the world's oldest virgin. And I, I, I don't think that's that uncommon for 19-year-olds to be virgins. The kids don't fuck. I don't know what's going on. Probably because they don't make eye contact. It's really hard to find a mate when you're looking at the ground. But, but I remember when I lost my virginity... It was amazing. It felt amazing. It was cool. But still, when it was over, I'm like, huh. I thought I would, uh, thought it would feel different. I thought I'd walk around with a guy who fucks energy. I thought the birds would be singing and the sun would be shining wherever I went. Because I finally put my penis in a woman. Not for that long, but, you know, I did it. So that's all. That's all I'm saying on this introspective last podcast of the year. Things are going great, but... I thought it would feel better. (laughs) You just get moments, right? That's all we that's all anyone can get. You just get moments you wish you could stay in forever, but you can't, because that's the the temporariness of time. Time doesn't age well.
you know, Bill Gates is like richest guy in the world, maybe top five. He should never have a problem. According to my logic. But he got divorced. He made a vaccine to put a tracking chip inside all of us. That didn't work out. Even if you have everything, life is still annoying and hard. But you know, I'm a parent. My kids were like all babies and toddlers. They were very annoying. They cried a lot. They shit their pants a lot. They threw tantrums. They, you know, all that stuff. They made my life a living hell sometimes, my children. But if I look at a, a picture of, like, one of my kids when they were two years old or one year old, I go, oh, God, I miss it. I want to be in that moment. I want to go back to that moment when, when, you know, whatever. When she was one and a half... But I don't really, because after that moment, after that picture was taken, you know, who knows? I probably got kicked in the balls and they threw food at me. So I guess I'm trying to, I'm trying to change the equation in my brain a little bit. Maybe it's not an equation, but I'm trying to, I want to, I want to acknowledge to myself that I'm in a, I'm in a good spot in my life. I have so much to be grateful for. But I also want to acknowledge that it's going to be hard and it's going to be stressful and I'm going to get burnt out because that doesn't mean I'm failing. That just means that's part of the experience. Everything that brings you joy will bring you pain. You know? Sometimes the opposite. Getting passed at the Comedy Cellar at the end of last year was one of my highlights in stand-up comedy. That's the joy. It ended up (laughs) making me basically live in Las Vegas for three months the next year. And that was some of the pain. You know, the shows were great. The club is great. But, I mean, I didn't really want to be gone that much. But it's just part of the deal. That's okay. Everyone's going to die. So we all have that... It's that thing of, like, when people die and you go... Live every second to its fullest. And I get it. But I think I'm actually saying the opposite. I'm saying that's too much pressure. When I'm lonely in a Las Vegas hotel room, I don't want to be sitting there going, life is fleeting, life is short, and I'm not happy right now. I'm experiencing some sadness, and I should be surrounding myself with joy because life is so fleeting and life is so short. I get the sentiment, but I... not sure it's supposed to be that complicated. You're born, you grow up, you get a job, you work too hard. If you're lucky, you work till you retire, you get some terrible illness, it kills you, you're dead. That's the thing. 
My cats don't live every day like it's their last. My cats don't worry about how much joy they fit into their life. They just fucking shit in a box and lay around all day. If you have a dog, it's not sitting around going, life's good, but could it be better? What if I made different choices? They don't do that, and the reason I know that is homeless people have dogs. And none of those dogs go, I gotta get the fuck out of here. I'd like an owner with access to plumbing. I guess what I'm saying is enough with the live, laugh, love. Just live. That's enough. Laugh and love occasionally, but just live. It's enough. By the way, this is the happiest I've been in like years. Can you tell? (laughs) But just like I look back at my kids' baby pictures and uh, long for those days, like if, you know, I would look back at the picture of this year and be like, good fucking year, man. Alright, happy holidays, happy new year. We ended weird. The drive, the late night drive homes get weird. Alright. I'll call that a podcast. <laughs>